0: Welcome everybody to another edition of Keep the Line Moving, the podcast designed to talk about leadership, life, and inspiration. I am your host Chris Gargano, and we have an award winner here for you today. His name is Scott Lakeham. He's an athletic director at the University of Portland and he just got an award. He was voted on by other athletic directors and commissioners throughout the NCAA. He graduated from St. Mary's. Yes, the same school I graduated from. That's how we've known each other for many years. He then went and had a career at Stanford University and worked with Bill Walsh, and other prominent athletic directors that you have heard of because they've done great things in the industry. Then he went on to be the senior associate commissioner of the West Coast Conference before spending the last 11 years at the University of Portland. He has some great stories for us, great wisdom for folks who want to get into this industry. It is time for you to meet Scott Latham.
1: Thank you, Chris. I- you know, you don't do this for yourself, so it's, it, it is hard to talk about in some respects, but it is, it's pretty cool when your peers uh, respect you enough to, you know, to give you an award. Uh, this is uh, an Athletic Director of the Year Award uh, presented by our trade organization, which is NACTA, uh, National Association of Collegiate Directors of Athletics, and it's one of the annual Division I spots. Uh, again, voted on by ADs and commissioners. It's really cool for me. I started going to this, this trade convention back when I was you know, 22, 23 years old, almost 30 years ago, and have watched a lot of good athletic directors um, get up on that stage and get this award. And I, I can't tell you I ever thought I would be on that stage and, and do the same thing. Uh, the criteria is uh, on-the-field success. Um, those important intangibles in our industry, which are building facilities, raising money, uh, enhancing the the student athlete experience. And then there's very much kind of a national service aspect to this. Uh, I've been blessed to be selected to the NCAA Division I Women's Soccer Committee, Uh, just served as chair, uh, served as president of our Division I AAA um, which is kind of our our side of Division A, which is uh, Division One, which is non-football. It's about 120 of us. Um, so it's uh, again the people that um, I'm in the trenches against every day, and and compete against, and sit in the committee room with. Um, for them to make this decision is what feels good.
0: And that's a wonderful story. And if you look at this, you know. It did, didn't just happen at the University of Portland where you are right now. This is part of your leadership legacy and the trajectory of your career, which began, you know, in something we have in common as a St. Mary's Gale. And you graduated in 1995. So take us from that moment. Take us through your history to get you to where you're a winning awards as an AD for a university, the University of Portland. I mean, that's really a culmination of a life well-spent um, devoting your time, energy, and expertise to the collegiate athlete.
1: One of my sons said, this is a Lifetime Achievement Award, and I said, easy, I'm not even 50 yet. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's not get too far out in front of ourselves yet. Um, but for me, I really, kind of the, the leadership journey was not a journey. Um, my My late father, who you and I both knew well, and I Gosh, I, I wish he would be there and to, to see me get this award. Um, he was in newspapers and media for, for his whole life. And I, I very much thought, you know, it's, as you got into this too, that that was my calling. Uh, was uh, a newspaper writer in high school. Was very blessed uh, right after I graduated from St. Mary's that summer. I remember I started at Stanford on a Monday in August and was on a football charter plane on Friday. Uh, was a PR intern at Stanford for a year, and um, Stanford is a, a premier athletic department on the field. Um, the way it formed me and, and what I learned about leadership there, Chris, was people didn't leave Stanford. Right there was you, you hit a ceiling at some point where. Uh, you moved up and there were people above you that weren't going anywhere, but Stanford with with Ted Leland and Bob Bowlesby are two of the best athletic directors who have ever done it. Really what they did to give you experience outside of For Me was PR and then later fundraising. Um, Ted was very intentional and made me a sports administrator. Uh, I was involved in um, putting together our new football stadium in terms of ticket policies and leadership around that. Um, Bob uh, empowered me to put together a, an annual fund at Stanford that that raised close to $10 million and brought all the sports together. Um, so having leaders that said, hey, this is your core responsibility, like Ted, I, you're going to be a very good fundraiser. I love what you do. But how about you oversee softball and you learn how to negotiate a coach contract and um, deal with student athlete and parent concerns? Um, so that was, that was, um, special for me. Uh, I jumped to the West coast conference office. Um, um, well actually there was a detour. We all have life detours, right? So, uh, my wife and I, uh, she was pregnant with our second child and my old PR boss at Stanford had become, I think, VP for external relations at Stanford hospital. And I went with him and for a time I was, um, media relations director at Stanford Hospital, uh, which was a little bit of a Forrest Gump moment, um, being in crisis communication situations. I was in surgeries managing television crews. I mean, I I learned a lot in a short amount of time, uh, but had an offer to go back to the WCC and and be um, Jamie's and right hand when he became commissioner. And I after talking with my wife, um, we didn't have to move. And I, I didn't think I was done with college athletics just yet. Had four amazing years with Jamie where we you know, brought BYU into the league, uh, recrafted our ESPN agreement, uh, moved the basketball championship to Las Vegas. Um, much different from a leadership perspective, working with student athletes and coaches to working with presidents and athletic directors and board of regents. Um, and after four years there uh, got a call from the president at portland um, and asked if i you know was interested in the athletic director position here I'll be candid chris and i, I tell people mm-hmm. this all the time I'm not one of those that said got into this business to be an athletic director I got into this business because i enjoy the business of it um, but you know here we are 11 years later and i'm, I'm still doing this and enjoying it Uh, been in the business 30 years, but um, I've seen a little bit of everything from power five to conference work um, to to one triple a work and wouldn't trade a day of it.
0: So let's go back. I love what you said here. Let's go back to your time at Stanford where Ted and Bob were your mentors per se. Right. And so they saw this guy right out of St. Mary's, you come into Stanford university working in the athletic department and you said that people don't go anywhere, right? There was very little movement at the top. However, they took you under their wing and they put you in positions to succeed with various individual sports, right? Like, Hey, rather than you just fundraise or just do this, you can work in this project, work on that project. How important was that to you? And did that leave a lasting impression for the way that you lead at the university of Portland?
1: It did. I'll give you, I'll give you two really good examples of that where one, Chris, I was a, I was never an assistant athletic director or an associate athletic director or a deputy athletic director. I was a kind of mid-level and I had an important role. We were raising again, 10 million a year in annual giving at Stanford um, that, that supported um, all 35. I think it was at the time varsity sports. Um, but for um, Dr. Leland to come in and say, Hey, I, I'd like to give you the experience of managing a sport every day. And that's, really where the administrative track um, began. I think the other lesson that I I share a lot from a leadership perspective is never take for granted any coworker relationship. Um, I had two moves that were very unexpected. Chris, I I loved my job in Stanford Media Relations, loved it. Um, Worked with uh, Olympians and elite athletes and, and was really a special experience. Um, I was offered a job to move from PR to fundraising um, by Mike Izzy, who was another mentor who was a longtime athletic director in our industry. And I remember going to Mike and said, it makes very little sense to move somebody from PR um, to fundraising. And I, I'm not you know, asking for money at that point gave me hives. It frightened me. Hmm. Uh, and Mike had a really good, I remember him very vividly, saying this, he's like, we've seen how you've built relationships with newspaper writers, TV folks, um, you name it in your industry. If you can build relationships like that in media relations, you will be very successful in development. Uh, and it turned out he was right. Um, and then, you know, the same when I was, um, when Jamie called me to move to the WCC, uh, Jamie worked in marketing at Stanford. I worked in PR. Um, I wouldn't say we were friends, but we're strong colleagues and, and knew each other well and respected each other. And for when Jamie got the commissioner job, to pick up the phone and say, "You're the first person I want to hire. Your skills translate to what we're doing. Uh, let's go." Um, you know, again, when when your peers vote you for an award, or when your people that you've been in the trenches with say. Hey, I, I trust you to be my right hand. That means a lot.
0: It does. And, you know, you explain on how you're giving back, right? And it's the, it's the circle, right? Give back and, and pay it forward, per se. Let's also, before we move on from Stanford and get up to Portland, you know, you worked with somebody that's a legend, you know, somebody that uh, coached is a Hall of Famer, And it was very significant in Stanford's development, getting to the next level, developing the new stadium, right? The stadium um, refurbished down on the farm there. Tell us about your relationship with Bill Walsh.
1: Coach Walsh was amazing. I mean, it was a little bit of a a surreal moment. He came in as, that was a very smart move when he was done with the, the 49ers as a special assistant to the athletic director. I mean, so Bill was very much a jack-of-all-trades. He ended up being the interim athletic director um, for a while as well. Um, but my role with Bill, which is, is still surreal um, for me, and all the fundraisers there, is our job was to go on the road with Bill and put Bill in front of donors and, and, and play golf and do dinners and help organize golf tournaments. And he was so humble and he was so thoughtful I remember one night in particular, you know, and I'm sure he had been asked for years. We were um, sitting at an airport, John Wayne Airport, after an event. And I asked him about leadership and management of teams. And, you know, he literally, Chris, started jotting down thoughts on a napkin. But he oh, was, wow. um, you know, very much as he was called the genius and an old school coach. Um, but he was so unselfish with his time. Um almost to a fault. I thought he was, he was amazing. And, um, for somebody like me, and I think for anybody in our industry, if, um, if Bill Walsh is going to help the young administrator get to the next step, yeah, we we need to be doing it too.
0: I mean, what's the role, you've had some tremendous role models throughout your career. It's, it's amazing. Did you know at that time that you would be, you know, implementing some of the teachings from, you know, uh, Leland, Bullsby, Walsh, the folks at the WCC, do you see traits of all the various leaders you've been with now in your job at the University of Portland?
1: I didn't know it at the time, but especially that, I think that pay it forward piece is, is really important, right? If I didn't do that, Chris, if I didn't do what Ted or Mike or um, Bill or Bob or, or Jamie or um, Gary, who hired me at the hospital, If I didn't do that for our staff here and the young people that cold call you and want to ask about the industry, then I'm I'm failing. And I think, you know, one, it's paying it forward as people paid it forward for me. Um, Also, and and Chris, I know you've been very generous with this over the years, including with me. It's making sure the next generation leaves our business in a good place. Right. Yeah. Uh, I want to. Even if it's a really small part, I want to impact the people that will be the leaders and be in, in in my chair in 20 years.
0: And the great thing about this, as you said right at the beginning of this conversation, you were voted into this situation in this glorious uh, moment in your career by your peers. So when you, when you self-evaluate what you've done at Portland, what are you most proud of so
1: far? I'm most proud of... Um, assembling a team of um, staff and coaches where we have shared values of you you really want to win. You want to win bad. (laughs) You know, losing's hard, um, and you kick yourself after losses more than you pat yourself on the back after wins. Um, But this shared goal of impact on students, right? And it's cliche, and you hear it all the time, Um, But for me, annually, the two things I enjoy the most are when I run into, whether it be Stanford alums or alums from UP that I've worked with, come back and sit in the office and you hear about their successes and their families and and where they're going. I mean, that's to see them take what they've done here at Stanford and and take it to another level is um, really cool. Um, the other one that I, I've talked about before, and it sounds corny, uh, and sometimes you get a little emotional, is uh, as a vice president here, uh, I get to sit on the graduation stage. Um, and some of me would watch, rather be in the top of the arena, kind of in a corner where I am for games, um, but you seeing the student-athletes come up and get their diploma, whether it be uh, bachelor's or a master's or a certificate or what have you. And knowing each of their stories and some in particular that, you know, first generation or where they've come from, or they've gotten through a family emergency, you know, seeing them culminate um, their career by walking across and getting their diploma. I mean, that's, Chris, that's why we do what we do.
0: You know what? You bring up a great point here. And I have a little list in front of me of the themes so far in this podcast series. Some of the themes so far, Scott, leadership themes have been listening is key, the use of time, helping others on their journey, and dealing with adversity. So let me bring this up to you. So you're up in the rafters or no, you you that's where you watch games, but you come down for graduation and you watch a student athlete walk across and get their diploma, move the tassel over and they've graduated you have spent that time to understand their stories. How important is that with student athletes, as well as the coaches and other administrators in your charge as the athletic director and vice president, how important is that time to invest in these people and know them? So the university of Portland, the pilots are all going in the same direction with the same values.
1: That, that investment is um, Chris, it's everything. And I, I, you know, I kick myself. I wish you know we have two hundred eighty some odd student athletes at this point in the semester and in the school year. I wish I better made an impact on on all of them. Um, you know, you get to know some more than you get to know others, and that's um, that's hard. I think it's also you know leadership is reinvention. One interesting thing in our industry is I feel like. My job here is akin to working in pro sports at some point now where, Chris, you really, you know, at Stanford and, and in some sports here in my early time, most students stayed for four years, right, or or, yeah. or five years. Um, the reality of the business now, whether it be the transfer portal or NIL, is you don't get to know students as well as you used to. They They move around more um, you have to change your recruiting style. I mean, we're, we're recruiting graduate students a lot more than we used to. And that way, you know, somebody's here maybe six or 12 months and you don't get to know them, uh, like you would for four or five years. But, um, if a coach isn't connecting with their students, um, the coach isn't going to be successful and it's going to be hard for the students to have that experience. And I think, I put that same thing on my shoulders, and and sometimes I do it better than others, but if I'm not connecting with our coaches, I'm not empowering them to be autonomous and connect with their students um, and provide the experience we're all striving for.
0: Okay, so let's dive down on that. Let's look at this. So you're in your 11th year on the bluff. When you hire a coach, what do you look for? So say there's a position open, somebody retires after several championships. Let's just say that's an ideal exit that some of the coaches leave. What are you looking for? What is that profile of an ideal coach at the University of Portland?
1: It's changed. I mean, Chris, it's changed a lot. Um, when my, I look back at my first couple of hires, and, and come on, it turned out pretty good. But like, what was I? <laughs> what was my plan? What was the idea? Um, I think at the end of the day, and again, another cliche here is is really fit. Um, fit for Portland. I mean, somebody uh, that's successful here might not be successful somewhere else because our department is small, the market's different, and we may, you know, we've had people that weren't successful somewhere else that were really successful here. Um, but somebody that that fits our campus um, can easily manage faculty relationships, staff relationships, um, and the students that come. Here, in particular, I think that that's that's critical, um, and I don't I don't think it matters where you came from. I mean, two of our most successful hires here have been Division three head coaches, um, and I kicked myself I passed on one of them before we we hired him the second time around. But if you've won, you've won, right? Whether it be the um, the high school level or the college level or the pro level. You've won because you've connected and motivated your students, your players, your athletes, um, and you've built a culture. Um, If you don't build a culture, you don't win. And I, I think finding that fit to build the culture here has been critical.
0: Now, you've had great success with men's and women's soccer, women's basketball. But you look at the WCC. How do you think the WCC is characterized nationally? Now, you have St. Mary's and Gonzaga that do really well in men's hoops. And there's other areas and pockets of success throughout the conference. But how is it viewed nationally? I've always been curious about that. I pay attention to it, having come from the conference. But you're way closer to it than I am. Tell everybody, what is it? What, where is the WCC?
1: I think we're a bit of a unicorn, Chris. Um, was Actually, we just hired Stu Jackson. Uh, the old NBA and Wisconsin coach is our our commissioner. He's gonna be fantastic for us. Uh, but I, I told Stu, well, you know, being on the West Coast is one thing. I think we're we're pretty isolated out here. We play play games in basketball when most people have gone to bed on the East Coast, right? So so that's a little different. Um, uh, but we are a top 10 basketball league that if you think about it, you remember this, when you were an undergrad at St. Mary's, in just about every sport we sponsor, if not every sport, we have a team that could win the national title, right? So we're we're proud of, of basketball as a, as a league and, and who we are. Um, but our DNA is different, right? Where, you know, in a lot of conferences, the decision is we're going to go all in on men's and women's basketball, just for example, or, or football and basketballs. For us, um, golf and tennis is critical at Pepperdine. When you think about them and baseball was um, as well, Uh, you think about Portland, uh, you think about our soccer programs and women's soccer winning national titles. Uh, Our men made it to the Elite Eight um, this year. We have a cross-country program that finished second in the nation a couple of years back. Um, For each of us, Santa Clara women's soccer is an example. San Diego volleyball went to the Final Four this year. For each of us, we have things that are really important to the ethos and DNA of our marketplace um, and, our, and our campuses. And I, I think that's, that's where we're, we're different. We really enjoy the broad-based success that we all have. I mean, I, you know, for example, and I think um, this was probably part of this award, but you know, they do the, the old Sears Director's Cup, which is the Learfield Director's Cup now. In the fall season, we were higher in the standings than any other non-football program in the country, and we were ahead of SEC schools and some ACC schools. Um, but the the broad-based thing is really important to our conference.
0: All right. Lastly, here there's somebody right now at a university around the country of the millions of people currently listening to this podcast. So for you to make your you didn't laugh at that. That was a, that was an attempt. At-
1: <laughs> All I was trying right, not to screw up the question.
0: <laughs> All right. I had a joke
1: coming. You hit me with a joke I wasn't ready for.
0: No, you got it, my friend. That's good. I respect it. That's good (laughs) listening. All right. So, a good quality of an athletic director and VP in the WCC. All right. Listen, tell me this. If you had advice for that individual that wanted to go in the route that you have taken, you know, that went from Stanford to the WCC on to being an athletic director at a great university in the Pacific Northwest, what advice would you give that individual?
1: Do what you love, but let the road take you where it's going to take you. Right? I mean, I, I I'm, I'm glad and <laughs> thank goodness for my very patient wife over the last 25 years, Chris. I mean, I when I was offered the development job at Stanford and moving over from media relations, I was my, my stubborn newspaper dad and said not doing it. And um, we talked and we did the pluses and minuses and. So you know you have a lot more pluses than minuses here, um, and you know even moving up here, I mean, Chris being an athletic director or something that I I never in a million years thought I was going to do. I mean, my my dream was being a PR person for a, a NFL team or a major league baseball team. I mean, that's that's where my head was at. But let the road and the your strengths take you. Where you're going to go, I, I think that's that's the advice. And when people come in and say, "I want to be a great athletic director," I said that's great. You worry about that later. And what do you do? You want to be a great compliance person first? Do you want to be a great athletic trainer? Do you want to be great marketing or communications? Be really good at that, and then people will see see that in you and bring you up. But you you know you and I didn't start at the top. You know my my first job was. Um, probably not something they could do now at Stanford. I was making 12,000 a year with no benefits working 70, 80 hours a week. Right. Uh, but master, master each skill and the road will take you where you want to go.
0: Beautiful advice. I love it. Perfect way to end it. Listen, your dad would be very proud. John Lakeham would be very, very proud. This is a great moment for you. Congratulations.
1: Thank you, Chris. That's been the hardest part. I've been telling my wife is, um, you know, my dad probably would have taken Amtrak from Walnut Creek to Orlando to get there It'd take taken two weeks, but, uh, you know, not, not having him there is, is, is the one hard thing.
0: Yep. I can understand that. Great job. Congratulations.
1: Thank you, my friend. This has been fun.
0: And we thank Scott very much for being on the show. So for those of you that listen and watch this podcast every week, I bet, you know, what my number one takeaway will be. It was the fact that Scott got to know the student athletes as they crossed the stage for graduation, receiving their diploma. He knew their stories, not all of them, he said, but most of the student athletes Scott had a relationship with, and they took pride in being student athletes at the University of Portland. What a great story and a lot of wisdom shared by Scott throughout his career and his journey. We appreciate him for being on the show. For our podcast producer, Paul Salazar, I am your host, Chris Gargano. Give us a like, a follow, a comment, anything. We will appreciate it. You know we will. Have a great week, everybody. We will see you next week. Take care.
1: We thank you for listening to Keep the Line Moving. We would love it if you subscribed or left a review.
0: For more podcast episodes, check out our YouTube page. If you'd like to work with the Gargano Leadership Group, check out our website. This has been a GLG production, copyright 2023. For our podcast producer, Paul Salazar, and our marketing coordinator, Savin Narwal. Have a great week, everyone.